Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Duality. I am your host, Ash, and today we are getting into, it's kind of like a new segment, but it's just kind of a new flavor, right, with how I'm going about doing duality. So every Wednesday, 10.30 (laughs) a.m. Eastern Standard Time, I will be coming on here and engaging with the audience. So I have some question prompts from yesterday and I have the link in my Instagram bio where you can go and write any questions. If you want to be anonymous, you can do that. Or if you want to just like send me a question or like um, a prompt and we can kind of talk about it on here, you can do anonymously or you could just write your name in and you know, and I could talk to you directly on here and uh, we can kind of do it like that. So I'm grateful. You know, last night I put it on kind of super last minute and (laughs) we got some questions so we're gonna jump on into that and starting shout out to lori with all the good questions you know everyone had good questions i want to just put that out there but i'm just saying that because lori dropped like quite a few questions in a few different areas and i really appreciate that so we're gonna get into it but also anybody who's tuned in live right now uh you can write in the comments whether you're on facebook youtube or Instagram live you can write down whatever questions or anything that you have so how I'm gonna go about it is you know I'll share my experience or whatever comes through in these conversations in general and um, also if it feels good you know I'll pull some cards on it or whatever the case is so before we get into that I found my old book my little ripped in half book that I used to bring on this show every day and uh my little peace of mind right so daily meditations for easing stress let's get into what today's energy is today is may 4th right yeah okay may 4th so may 4th the pers- the pervasive culture misconception is that it is possible possible sorry they cut the word the pervasive cultural misconception is that it is possible for a person to have it all a happy family a high-paying job a nice home good vacations etc all at the same time by dr raymond b flannery jr a woman who recently graduated from college was buying furniture from her small suit for her small studio apartment she asked her father a successful businessman How does it feel, Dad, to have everything you ever wanted? You can buy anything. You can have a beautiful house, lovely furniture, a new car, and you take lots of trips. It'll be years before I have those things. You must feel great. The father was silent for a moment. Then he replied, You know, some of the best memories I have are from the days when I lived in a small apartment like yours. I furnished it with orange crates scavenged from the trash. It was pretty, and I was pretty happy back then. I have a lot today, but well... The days of orange crates were fun, too. Wanting it all means not finding contentment with what you do have and only sets you up for failure. No one ever has it all. So rather than engage in all or nothing thinking, it is more realistic to do what you can with what you have right now. It is better to accept that while you may lack in some areas, you are rich in others. Affirmation for today is, rather than look at what what I want, I will appreciate what I already have. Today I recognize that I'm a lot richer than I think I am. 
And that is today's meditation and peace of mind for me and for you and for all of us, right? So I think that that shines a light on a, a good point and like in some of the questions that had came up, it's it's kind of relevant, you know, just being grateful, returning to gratitude. Sometimes we get into like this uh, scarcity mindset where we're like, you know, oh, like I wish I had this, like if I have this one thing, then I'll just be okay. Or if I, if I get to this one place, if I have this one job, if I'm with this one partner, if I have, if I lose weight, if I get more money, like whatever the case is, you know, we tend to miss the whole, get all the gifts that are in the present moment when we're not appreciative of it. And it's so easy to slip into that mindset. So I want to invite everybody listening to just think about some of the things that you have and that you're grateful for and just give yourself a moment to appreciate that. And like, you don't have to necessarily count them, but just like acknowledge them, you know, acknowledge the fact that, you know, you might have legs that you could walk on, a voice that you could speak with and, you know, eyes that you can see out of. So... Yeah, so taking that moment of gratitude. So important. So, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in with me. And um, we're going to get into the questions. So, one of the first questions are, how can I introduce new spiritual concept to loved ones in a gentle, not so intimidating way? So it's a tricky question because, you know, everyone's going to react differently. Sometimes if you're super gentle, um, someone still might feel intimidated by it. Or, you know, if you're, you know, firm in what you believe, that can be intimidating. You know, we can't control who and what are intimidated by us or by the way that we communicate certain things. Um, sometimes when people are in an insecure place or if they don't know something about a topic, and you do, that's intimidating within itself. So no matter what you speak on about it, it could be triggering for them. So I think just acknowledging when you're expressing something, like let's say, for example, um, you know, you're talking about cards, like oracle cards, right? And um, you're saying like, oh, you know, I tuned in, I got, I got these cards, and I love them, and they're amazing, and... Um, you know, I really, and they're like, well, what do you use them for? Like, what's the purpose of them, right? And you know your purpose with it is to communicate with spirit, with creator, with yourself, you know, with your guides and however you view it in that way. But you know that kind of terminology might just instantly bring a turn off, you know, to the conversation. Something that might be a good way to go about it and to kind of ground into that conversation is like, oh, well, I use these cards to kind of reaffirm to myself what I already know, right? Because in the if you boil everything down, that's really what cards are, you know? Like, and I'm like tarot cards are as well. They're a little bit different energetically than oracle cards. Um, but in if you boil it all down, it's a way to kind of commune with yourself and your spirit and spirits, you know, to kind of remind yourself and or others what is going on about a certain situation or just in general or whatever the case is. So like, even just if you condense that, it's just like, it's my way that I affirm to myself, you know, what I should be focusing on or what I should look out for. 
You know, you could speak it. It doesn't have to be super, super mystical. Like, even when you're doing mystical things, you realize that one of the most mystical things that, some of the most mystical things that happen actually can't even be relayed in a mystical way. It, it'll be like, oh, you know, I heard it from the wind. And it's like, simple, right? But not super, you know, I didn't have a whole ceremony and this, that, and the third that created this boom outcome sometimes one of the boom outcomes the biggest things that we realize come from the most simplistic things so i would say in that case you know just grounding down um and simplifying so less is more especially in that case when you're explaining something to someone and also just asking them you know if they're open to it and um taking note like sometimes we want to share things with people that it's is for us and they actually don't really care about it and that's okay you know what i'm saying everybody can't care about everything but it's up to us to discern like you know maybe this isn't the person i want to have this conversation with and that's okay you know and if they ask me then i could talk about it you know or if you do feel inclined to share like definitely honor yourself but i invite you to tune into that part of you that is wanting to share and where that's coming from and if you necessarily need to share it in that space with that person so I hope that answered your question, and uh, thank you for asking it. And moving on to the next question is, how can we balance standing firm in our boundaries without pushing away loved ones? How can I commit to being there and being present for them when needed without crossing my own boundaries? Hmm. Boundaries is such a beautiful concept, you know, the fact that we have the awareness enough to even start to discern and uh, apply them, you know, not everyone gets that in these lifetimes. And I feel like more and more we're centering boundaries. And when we start to, I know for myself, like when I've started my journey of like learning boundaries, right, it kind of came off really intense in the beginning it was like I noticed I didn't like something and it wasn't okay with it anymore. So then I was like, no, like no access. That's it, you know. And then I had to learn like going back and forth and finding the balance of like being gentle with my boundaries but still being firm with them. That looks and feels different for everybody. You know, in every scenario is going to be different. I think that the most important thing is to not abandon yourself. And that is how to uphold your boundary. Like, no matter what goes on, to not abandon yourself. So just finding ways that you can still stay with yourself and with whatever feeling is coming up for you, navigating with whoever it is. You know, sometimes we have to have set those boundaries with ourselves. Like, oh, okay, I really, really, really want this, like, cheese Danish, right? But you know you're trying to not intake that much sugar, you know, or say, let's say, in a more drastic sense say you're you're diabetic right and you know that that's going to spike your sugar so you're like all right well i have to have a boundary and that boundary is also discipline and those are kind of interchangeable in this particular example that i'm giving but that boundary with yourself is like yo like i know that you want this and i i love you i understand that this is something you want i want to give you something that's going to benefit you even better you know, um, and benefit our exchange, like you with yourself, you with your body. So I'm going to have a banana instead. I'm going to have, you know, 
a, a bowl of oatmeal. And maybe I'll put some raisins in it. You know, maybe I'll put a little bit of maple sugar, maple, maple sugar, maple syrup in it and like sweeten it up. So you still give yourself that sweetness, but you do it in a way that's most healthy for that exchange. So now when applied to other people, it's like, you know, say you tell somebody that they need to knock on the door before they come in, right? And you've told them then you've, you've set this boundary and they're flying in, you know, and they, they're not respecting this boundary. And like naturally the first initial reaction you want to give is like anger, right? Rightfully so, because what you're like, yo, like, you're not respecting me. Like I told you something, I told you what I, what I'm okay with and what I'm not okay with. And you're disregarding it. Right. That's the internal feeling where that's very loud and that we naturally react to most of the time. It's okay to feel that emotion. You know, if you want to like kind of ground yourself where you're not having that high intensity emotion lead and that could look like yelling responding being like what is wrong with you I told you listen like listen to me listen to me when I speak it's also like a big it, there's something inside of ourselves like that not feeling heard not feeling seen not feeling respected affirming to yourself in those moments and I know it's it's so it's so much easier said than done but in those moments like even just like holding your belly and being like I respect myself. I'm safe. Like, it's okay. You know, and then taking a breath and then speaking, right? Because when we speak, hey, Delia, and when we speak and we're like in this reactionary mode, then that's when we tend to harm people, right? Because we're hurt. So we hurt, right? There's just hurt people, hurt people. It's just what a natural reaction of life. You know, we're not perfect. We're when we're discerning through life and finding balance, like, it's going to look like we're going to give boundaries and, and yell about them or, or cross our own boundaries. And there's like this dance. And I think the most important thing is to not feel shame within that experience. Not to not feel shame. That's kind of like impossible. But to understand that you don't need to hold on to the shame, right? Because that's what just continues that behavior to go on, right? So I want to go back to the question just to make sure that I answered it. How can we balance standing firm in our boundaries without pushing our loved ones away? I think also expressing why we're creating the boundary. Like, hey, you know, when you knock on the door, it lets me know that you're coming in. So it has me set up to be ready for you to come in. You know, invite them into a part of your boundary. Why they know that they're also a part of your boundary in a good way because that's going to benefit the both of us. If I know that you're coming into the room, then I can prepare to have a conversation with you and give you my undivided attention, right? As opposed to if you run in the room and I'm in the middle of tweezing my eyebrows and I stab myself in the eye and I turn around and I yell, now you, I can't even hear what you came into the room to do or ask me because I'm already so upset that you even just bur bursted in the room. So I, I, I think an important thing about setting boundaries is also when you're in a, a grounded enough space to communicate, like if it feels good for you, because you don't always have to communicate your boundaries with everybody or why they exist. But with some people, especially like our family, it's important to be like, hey, like I love you. I love myself. This is what works for me. You know, I want to know what works for you as well. And like, what are some boundaries you have? You know, even inviting them into the conversation to have them explore that because that might not be something that they're super familiar with or something that they're really comfortable with so if you create that safe space now look at you both 
creating boundaries. That's incredible, you know. So definitely, like, taking that chance to to ground down and experience that with each other. Um, how can I commit to being there, being present for them, meeting without crossing my own boundaries? Yeah, just circling back to that, just not abandoning yourself, you know, and allowing even if you need a moment just being like i need a moment i need i need a moment i need to step out i need a moment and then you know doing what it is that you need to do whether it's five jumping jacks whether it's taking four breaths whether it's splashing water on your face if you feel you can't have that conversation you can't be present in it because you're in a in a space where you're like you're hurt you know you're reacting to somebody not respecting something that you said it's completely normal you know what i mean it's very human and uh you shouldn't beat yourself up for having those emotions rather just learning different little things like you can make it fun make it playful like okay like i know i just need to splash some water on my face or i I need to go have a cup of tea or like i need whatever cases because sometimes we don't have the moments like go take a walk right so (laughs) maybe you just bust out and start dancing maybe you just bust out and like start doing jumping jacks like whatever it is to just put movement into the feeling so that you're not internalizing it and pushing it down, I think is really important. So I hope that answered your question. Uh, moving on to the next question. Um, the balance between patience and faith versus persistence and logic for goals. Hmm. That's a big one. That's something that like I find myself constantly contemplating on. You know, I think that when we're looking at goals, you know, we're like, all right, well, I got to put in the work, like hustle mentality, right? I got to go get it. I got to go get it. I got to, like, work at it every single day. And, like, yes, it's important to put energy into it. But it's like, now let's discern how much energy. If you're running on 40% energy that day, maybe you give it 2% energy. But if you give it 10% energy, now you're taking a fourth of your energy and you're down to you're down 30. Also, while you're at that 40% energy, doing something that's going to help restore you, right? Like maybe taking a nap, maybe taking a walk, maybe going into nature, you know, whatever that can look like for you. Because some days we have like we're on 10 like <clears throat> or we're on like 100 rather and we're just on it, you know. And we could put all this energy, whether it's into our art, our creative expression, our, you know, our podcast, our, you know, teeth whitening business, whatever it is that we do. We can put all that energy into it that day because we feel super good. And then there's days where we don't feel good at all. And first and foremost, we got to take care of ourselves in those days and like how we're feeling and what that looks like. Uh, and then maybe thinking about something or looking at it in a different way is just the same amount of the enough um, amount of energy that you need. Maybe you're working on a painting and you're, you're going hard one day. You're like working on for 10 hours and then the next day you're not really feeling so good. So maybe you don't even pick up a brush, but you just look at it and you just reflect on it, but you're not, not hyper criticize it, right? Just kind of reflect on it. And just kind of look at look at it, flip it upside down, look at it in a new way. And that could apply to everybody, not just artists. So that could apply to anybody who has any kind of anything that they're doing. You know, whether you're working for someone or you're working for yourself, take an opportunity to look, contemplate and, like, lay down and be like, hmm, maybe if I flipped it, how would I feel if I didn't have this in my life? 
how would I feel if I had more of this in my life, right? So now when we have that kind of space where we're looking at how we're managing the energy we're putting into it, um, on the logical place, I mean, logical and kind of faith-based, metaphysical, all kind of coincides whether we, like, realize it or not, you know, in a big way. But I think, like, the logic is definitely... Um, well, it depends on really. I was gonna say is is centered more, but you know it depends because if you're in a super spiritual community, the manifestation could be super centered, right? So, you know, there's certain things that you just gotta let go and let God take care of, or Creator, whatever you believe in the universe, kind of take care of. Maybe that's something that you've been working consistently hard at for so long, and like you feel like, all right this doesn't seem like it's working. I'm just going to give it to God. If it's supposed to come back to me, it will. If it not, it doesn't, you know. I think that using our own discernment to kind of balance that is really key because it's going to look different for everybody. Like, I don't know if you are going to the gym every single day and, like, fiending for those results and not getting them and the reason why you're not getting them might be because there's an underlying condition or issue that needs to be addressed first, right? So then if you, in that case, kind of gave it to God where you're like, all right, I'm not going to go seven days a week. I'm going to go three days a week realistically and kind of make it more grounded expectation. It's kind of like, when I think about it, it's kind of like when we have relationships and we have the honeymoon phase. When we're doing any kind of uh, anything new, right? We have the honeymoon phase where we're like, super hyper fixated and we're like i need to do this every single day da, 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 da. and it's unrealistic because every single day we can't do everything you know every single day you never know what's going to come to your day you might have a day where you you have to go do a whole bunch of things for other people and then or you have to do a whole bunch of things for yourself in your house and it has nothing to do with the actual you know expression in which we're we're talking about the new the new thing um so at first it could be like wow, I used to do this so much more. I feel like I even think about that too with my podcast. Like, oh, I used to center this so much more in my life, you know? And then like life happened and the honeymoon phase dissipated. And then I had to choose like, okay, does do I still want to do this? Do I still want to put a certain amount of energy? How much energy do I feel comfortable putting into this? That reflection period, the contemplation period, the discernment period. I think that is the most important when it comes to like finding the balance between like, the patience, the faith, you know, the persistence and the logic, it's like we can only know that. Like if we feel like, okay, I put I put in this, I put in this, now I just need to wait. But not just sitting over like, you know, hunched over waiting for like this seed to, to grow out the dirt, but just kind of moving on, doing some other things. You know that the seed's there. You go, you water it sometimes, but you're not digging it up and seeing if it germinated. You wait, you see it popping out the ground. You're like, that's great. That's beautiful. I love that, right? But you're still not going to sit there and stare at it until it becomes a tree and starts bearing fruit or becomes a whatever plant it is. You know, it starts becoming the more mature version of that. You're going to continue to do your life. Yes, you might water your plant once a week, twice a week, every day, depending on the plant. You know, some plants, you might have a cactus. You might need to water it once a month. 
And that changes with each different thing that we focus on and that we're working on is going to need a different amount of TLC, a different amount of watering, whether that's our relationships, whether that's our business, whether that is our family life, our housing life, whatever it is, our cleaning life, whatever it is, it's going to need, you might need to clean every day. You might need to talk to your family every day. You might need to talk to your family once a week. You might need to talk to your family once a month. Everybody has a different experience. You might need to work every day. You might need to work a few days a week. You know, you might need to work on your creative interviews every day. You might not. You know, everything is going to ebb and flow. There's going to be times where you're working every day. There's going to be times that you're doing your creative stuff every day and you're not working. Like, there's just life just changes. And every time life changes, it's about, like, you know, what I believe it's about is just, like, surrendering to those changes. And, you know, it's a lot easier said than done. It's another thing a lot easier said than done. Um, but it's so beautiful and magical once we get the hang of kind of feeling that resistance come up and being like, ooh, I don't know if I want to change this or do this. And then being like, okay, all right, I accept that. I'll do that. Or I won't do that. I'll just let it sit. And leave it in its place. And then you, once again, if it's meant for you, it will continue to show up in your orbit. It will, and not, and I'm not just talking about on your phone because you know they'd be listening to us, so that shit is different. But, <laughs> like, it'll show up in your orbit, like, you know, you go outside somewhere and you see an art gallery. If you've been thinking about opening up an art gallery, you'll see a, you know, like, even as simple as this, like, I, I, I used to work at Starbucks. When I ended up working at Starbucks and I was applying for different jobs at the time during the pandemic, like, I was like, I just kept on seeing Starbucks. Like, I just kept, and I don't really drink Starbucks like that. You know, like, I, I never was a huge, I don't really drink coffee. I'm a tea person, you know? And, like, it just kept showing up. And I truly believe that I was meant to work at that store. I was meant to work at that store and meet the people that I meet and get the experiences that I got. And um, and it was the universe was not shutting up about it. So it's like, hmm. The universe is always very loud. You know, it's just, do we have it on mute? Or do we have it on low volume? You know, just, I, I, I advise you to check that, you know? Check your, like you would check your phone, like you click a video and you don't hear a sound and you're quick to be like, oh, is this on mute? It's loud, but it's like when we're looking for signs, we just assume that they're not there. Even when they're there, it's just like, okay, well, maybe let me check my settings. It's not the universe's settings, it's my settings. Like, how open am I to receive the truth in what I'm supposed to be doing right now? not always so open to receive the truth and what we're supposed to do we just want to do what we want to do <laughs> and if it's not what we want to do we we don't see it if that's not what's suiting me right now in this moment, I'm like ah, i didn't see that sign what are you talking about that's kind of the same thing happens with the cards you know and that's why i don't really pull for myself anymore and one of many reasons and you know it, it's it, but the same thing goes for if i'm pulling for a client if i'm pulling for someone in general it's like the card will literally be like, release this. And it's up to us to be like, oh, nah, that means release my uh, my sugar, my sweet tooth. That's what that means. Not this bad job or this thing. Because, you know, that that job or that relationship or whatever it is or that, t um, I guess, more not so good coping mechanism ha is 
bringing you some sort of safety and some sort of stability in in whatever system your mind has built throughout your entire life and maybe even previous lives it creates a system for it to feel safe and sometimes we feel safe in not so safe situations and then when the cards or the signs around us or whatever says like mm, maybe not maybe not this and we know we're like yeah i know i've been in denial about this blah, blah, blah. but what we say is like yeah maybe it means something else maybe it's referring to a different part because we're not ready to let go and that's okay you let go when you need to let go Sometimes the universe might drag you a little bit. Sometimes we need to be dragged. Other times we can just kind of let go and kind of just walk and be graceful about it. Other times we hold on and we dig our nails in and it could kind of look like another experience, but who's to say what's good, what's right or wrong, what's what's better or worse? You know, it's like it's your experience. It doesn't have to be a judgment around that. So I hope that I answered your question, Danny. And, and um, yeah, if you have anything else. And Lori, too, if you guys have anything else that you want to, you know, talk about about those questions, feel free to put it in the comments. And Kenny will pull it up or I'll say it over here. So, yeah. I'm going to take a sip of tea real quick. We're drinking kava kava today. And um, and Yogi T said, know that you're a child of the universe. Always a child of the universe. Even when we're adults. Important to remember. <laughs> so, yeah, moving on to, oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for tuning in and for being here. I'm happy that you got to hear when your question came up. So... Yeah, so going on to the next question, um, Angela asked the abortion controversy. So I feel like I'm not fully educated up on all of the controversy controversy right now. Um, I don't watch the news. Uh, I come across things sometimes, but I don't know like where we're at to the point. But I can speak on what I know um, from the articles and things that I've seen. So I'm not sure exactly where to start with this, but we'll just jump on in. So from the perspective of what I know and what I've seen, it's just like different states uh, kind of creating these laws that banning abortion and, you know, creating this no option, right, for women and their own bodies to you know, kind of terminate their pregnancies and things of that. And, like, I guess, like, in, in the most um, balanced and, like, gentle way or, like, grounded place that I can speak on it is just I believe that there is different ways that we can go about it. I definitely, I certainly don't believe that um, people should be making laws about it. You know, maybe, like, regulations and restrictions on, like, how many or how frequently or how it's used. You know, I don't believe in abortions being used as birth control. I definitely don't think that that's something that I'm not morally okay with that, but I am very much so understanding of why people do get abortions and there's so many different situations and cases and why people get abortions. Most of all, I believe that it should be a choice. Like there shouldn't be any kind of law that's like, you're not allowed to do, you'll go to jail if you do this. Like 
a person could be saving a child's life by not conceiving it, you know, in a big way because, like, what what are they going to be birthed in? What if that person has literally nothing, you know, and then that child is completely brought through nothing, right? And, like, well, not nothing, but you know what I'm saying in that way of, like, not having any source of stability. What if what if that isn't, you know, in that way? But, you know, so I think it's a, it's a little bit of a controversial topic. I think that every person's opinion is very uh, important to be grounded before talking about controversial topics like this because I really do understand the concept also of, you know, well, then the baby doesn't have a choice in this and the third, but I, my belief system, I can only really speak on myself, so I'm going to speak on myself. I'm not going to speak on other people. My belief system is that the soul of the child kind of hangs out with the mom until the moment of birth, right? I've come to this conclusion in this theory or what I feel to be very real through many different experiences. Also, if you've ever been in the room with someone who's given birth, I can't speak on a person who's given birth because I've not given birth, so I cannot speak on that. But I've been in the room two times with women who have give, given birth. I've had the, the privilege to be there. And I almost passed out both times that when the baby was coming out and not because like the looks and everything that was happening like physically it was energetically it felt like the only thing I could explain it or equate it to it felt like when I had drink ayahuasca in the past and it the medicine started to kick in like that's what it felt like so intensely and I truly believe in my being that that is when the actual soul, like the spirit, enters the child as the vehicle, right? Now, to coincide with science, do I believe, like, you know, all the different things? How can the baby be affected in the womb emotionally, scientifically? I, I think that, you know, the body still gets affected by certain things, toxins, things that we eat, of course. Like, I think that that all plays a part in the, in the body. And I think that the spirit enters, though, like, on the point of arrival into the earth like whether out of the vagina or through c-section once the baby hits the air is like and out is out that's when I think that this will connect so with that being said I believe that in these different ways that um you know abortions like just looked at as so many different things and it doesn't have to be like <laughs> There's so many experiences in the in the, I think that people should be more educated who are distributing the different forms of termination, right? And I think that it could be done in a much more educational way rather than uh like I'm going to get a tooth removed and it's it's why does that feel the same? Like why does that feel the same? Like I've had experiences with people that have went and like see and and have gotten the system where, you know, they had the treatment and it was very like, okay, I went in, I went out. There's no aftercare. There is no emotional treatment about it, you know, and then there's also men that are making and creating these laws, majority, right? That it's like not even an experience that they have. So it's just so like, what, why, how is that even something that can happen? You know, it's like, a bunch of women came together and are like, oh, all men need to have vasectomies, you know, or like, it's like, how can we tell 
like it's not our bodies like we don't have you know why why can we make a law like how can we make a law in that way and you know maybe maybe i'll i'll get you know backlash for ex like comparing those two but it it's it's just like you know just like semen can create children you know and the uterus the the womb can create child like both of them are doing that thing even though the baby stays with the mom so it's like, I believe there's, I have a lot to say about this topic, actually, and I'm not going to take up this entire podcast with it, but I will say that I truly believe that if people went about creating the, the termination in a way that had them connect with themselves, their emotions, why they can't have this child why they're feeling the ways that they're feeling if there is any resources you know and like people will argue like oh you can just like give up to adoption but like that's not that can do a lot more emotional damage to a person as well you know it's like some people don't understand that if a person doesn't have an abortion it could be losing a person for a person right like that could really bring someone to a really horrible mental state where they might not, ex they might cease to exist anymore. You know, they could unlive themselves in a way. And like, so it's like, there's a lot of lines of morality and a lot of people speaking on consent of like, well, there's the consent of this and the consent of that. If you're arguing the consent of the baby, then you're, but, but you're not arguing the consent of the woman, like, you know, and then there's the, the whole topic, the heavy topic of, you know, w what if that, baby was conceived unconsensually you know and what do we do then and then is that woman still gonna go to jail like there's this shit going on in texas that it's like somebody's driving uber if they drive the uber to a person who's getting an abortion like they could go to jail too like that's absurd you know what i'm saying there's so many things in the world there's so many why, instead of putting the focus on making women look like the villains in this why are we not looking at how babies are being conceived um, the same thing goes for birth control. You know, why are we looking at it only as women stopping, you know, using birth control to stop women from creating pregnancy? Meanwhile, like, women can only get pregnant once a year, right? Women can only get pregnant once a year. It's or like, very, very rare that they can get pregnant sooner than that. But men can impregnate. A, a woman like multiple you can have 365 kids you know if you're super fertile you know and you're and you're blowing it off on everyone's ovulation like why are we looking at only women to stop this problem like I'm just trying to understand that you know so it's it's a controversial thing right you know and I'm not gonna center this whole podcast like I said on it but I hope that that answers your question you know it wasn't really a question. It was kind of a statement. You know, we, we talked about it. We're here. That was kind of the different the different uh, kind of question from what we were talking about with the other stuff. But I'm happy that it was spoken on because I think that it's something that, you know, more people should center in a way that it's like it doesn't have to be so aggressive on one way or the other. Can we just have compassion? Can we have compassion for people having choices and decisions with their own bodies in, in many different ways? It doesn't have to be solely to this topic, you know? be with uh, many other topics can we be sovereign beings and make decisions for ourselves and for those people that are doing excessive amounts of terminations and things like that can we have compassion for them and can we maybe get them some counseling 
or, you know, give them a safe space where they can kind of unpack why they're so okay with doing that, you know, rather than villainizing them and like clearly they're hurt clearly they're disconnected from themselves if you're connected to yourself and and your spirit morally you would never want to do that you know so it's like rather than being like you're horrible women are horrible they can't do this it's like let's let's treat things at the root right let's let's find what's under the surface yeah that person might seem monstrous in the moment and maybe they don't seem like they have compassion but maybe they don't have the ability to because they're not connected to it putting a a you know, an A on that person's chest or whatever the case, however you look, just banning one person or one situation is not going to solve the problem. The problem is much deeper than that. And finding other ways that we can kind of commune and that it, it, it boils down to a lot of things, the disconnection between like the understanding of the sacredness of having sex, the understanding of the sacredness of conceiving child, what it actually you know is meant to do and like wh- why we're meant to do it like that's so lost in the sense of history like everybody's just out here like fuck it you know what i mean and like sorry to say it like that but that's how it is and it's like and people have forgotten what how sacred certain things are so before we start throwing laws before we start banning things like let's like implement actual sex ed that can teach kids that can teach teenagers rather you know what how how do you get pregnant people still don't know that you can only get pregnant when you're ovulating people still don't know what menstruation is maybe let's look at that right okay so i'm gonna end it there now thank you for that and thank you for being with me throughout that (laughs) and uh yeah so going on to the next question now i have one more thing i do have one more thing um something that i think that is really important for anybody who is listening to this now who will listen to it in the future and whatever the case is i think that it's very important for humans with wombs to connect with their wombs and that's going to look and feel different for everybody but it's also going to look and feel the same for a lot and um to know that you literally have a portal a the the universe has gifted you the ability to have a portal between worlds like we can't even like the the idea the concept of creating a child is so fucking wild it blows my mind every time i think about it and just understanding that and teaching our youth about that not only the women, but teaching the boys about it too. Teaching, you know, how important it is and how that is a treasure. And we need to learn how to navigate how we create laws about them. Like, it's like we can't govern. And that goes to so many different things. We can't govern people's bodies and tell them what they can and cannot put into them or take out of them, like, you know, and that's really the question of morality, too. It's just like where there's so many layers of that. So I, you know, if that if that triggered you in any way, you know, I invite you to um, to sit with that in in a good way. Like not like sit with that and reflect like because you're wrong. Like, no, you might you might be right. You might know better than me. You know, you might have more things to say. Hit me up. Let's talk about it. Like, I'm super open to that. And. Um, yeah. I just have compassion for everybody that's experiencing that in those states, especially, you know, finding 
other routes and you know go go to the natural people go to the go to the holistic ways there are other ways and there are other people that can support you and and help you at these times so any person that is coming from that 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 space like just pray about it i truly believe to just pray about it and uh yeah i'll leave that there so next question the part the planetary placements on birth charts besides mainstream stuff okay so we're talking about astrology now we've we've tuned we've uh we've turned the corner to astrology now i'm no astrologist I know a little some some, but I don't know a lot of some some. So I'm I'll just speak on what I know. We all know our sun signs, right? If you're like, oh, I'm a Leo, I'm a Gemini, I'm a Scorpio, that's your sun sign. So our sun signs are like kind of like our core belief systems, right? It's our identity, it's uh who we are, right, or who we perceive ourselves to be in that way. Now we have a thing called a natal chart. When you find out what time you were born, the location you were born, and your birth date, you can type that in, and it'll get a pie. So the circular pie will kind of be a screenshot of, um, sorry, uh, it will be a screenshot of where the stars and the planets were when you were born. So it's pretty cool. So you get this pie, as a bunch of symbols and you look at it and you're like what the fuck does this mean but then you have somebody who might know a little bit more and then they can tell you right <laughs> or you can look down you know usually in whether it's apps like costar or if you're on astro theme you could just dis display like um aspects and and placements and things of that sort and, it, and it'll show you where you can look and it'll say sun in gemini 30 per 30 degrees you know or and then moon in Scorpio so what does that mean where is like moon like let's just go to moon and rising so our moon opposite of our Sun is our emotional the way we process things the way we emotionally process things the way we could mentally process things so what we are, are subconscious in a way you know that kind of gets more into like the eighth house and like you know um, other Neptune and Pluto placements, but we're just gonna we're just gonna center the moon and rising right now. So the moon is all about like our feels, right? It's our feels. You got the the moon that's feminine. You got the sun that is masculine. So our sun is like this is how we are in the physical three dimensional world. The moon is like this is how we are inside of our head, in our heart, inside of us, right? This is how we feel. Like this is what we think. You know, I, I'll use myself for example. I'm a Libra moon, right? Libra moons, I'm a Cancer sun, and I'm a Libra moon. So being a Cancer is like, okay, I have, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, you're so emotional, you're so sensitive. Like, I am. Like, that is a fact. But that doesn't mean that I'm walking around crying all the time. That can mean that I'd be angry all the time. I'm super happy all the time. Emotions aren't just sadness, right? So let's clear that up for all the Cancers. And... Yes, I'm super sensitive, you know, like sensitive. I'm sensitive in every way. Like if I don't do a certain thing, then I might have a reaction. You know, if I don't have certain supplements, I might be sensitive to something. Like if I, you know, don't like a smell or something, I might gag. Like I'm, I'm sensitive in that way. And then I'm also sensitive in the way that 
if I sit down and meditate or if I do certain things, like I will have like very vivid, vivid, vivid dreams, you know, and like I'll wake up from them like, oh, shit, like I don't even feel like I slept, you know. So there's like, there's the pros and the cons to sensitivity, right? So there's there's that. So I just want to clear that up for the cancers. Listen, and also the cancer placements, right? Because if you are a cancer moon or a rising or any other placement, really, like you still have in that that aspect of understanding what cancer is because I feel like it's a lot of muddied stuff, just like there's the misconceptions of Geminis, there's misconceptions of Leos and, and Scorpios. But then there's also like the stereotypes that really do fit the bill, you know, like being sensitive is one of them. So <laughs> moving on to what a moon sign is. So I'm a Libra moon. So what does that mean? I process emotions like a Libra. So in my head, I'm always like, is this fair? Is this just... Mm, is this balanced you know hence the podcast has hence everything i talk about is like finding balance finding balance so is this balanced is always how i'm processing things is this fair to me is this fair to other people you know and then also the flip side well not flip side but just other aspect of libra is romanticizing uh something that i've experienced as a libra moon is that i have romanticized everything and everyone on max volume for majority of my life and before i started understand understanding or understanding right uh, about how my astrological chart played out and how my libra moon is a big aspect of that so in other words when i say my libra moon and if i wanted to ground it and take it out of astrology terms i could be like and how i process my emotions is a lot of times I think I'm feeling them, right? That cancer side. That, oh, I feel everything. But I'm analyzing them. Like I'm analyzing them mentally because Libra's still an air sign. So sun, moon, we have rising. Now rising is how we are perceived and how we perceive the world. So it's like the lens. You know, if you are a... Leo rising, you might be looked at like you like attention and you might look at the world like and see other people who actually want attention and you might not want attention in the way that people perceive you as or people might look at you as super cocky or confident or this and that and like you might not really feel that way, you know, but that's how you're perceived. The same thing could go opposite spectrum. Like now say you're a Scorpio rising, you know, Scorpio rising could look like super introspective like you know very to themselves um maybe maybe look a little mean I mean I say that with love but I feel like Scorpio Risings can have like an intimidating like the way Leo Risings can have this like intimidating essence to them Scorpio Risings have this intimidating aspect because it's coming from these two different sides like Leo is like I'm the center of the universe and Scorpio's like, I'm the depths of Pluto. That is the furthest planet away from everyone. I'm mysterious. No one really understands me. And guess what? You don't get to understand me because I'm also secretive too. So like <laughs> depending on where our, our placements are and they activate with the rest of our chart in like such a unique way. And astrology is just like another form of learning the blueprints of ourselves and understanding ourselves, right? You know, we have the uh, Myers-Briggs test. We have the Enneagram. We have numerology. We have therapy, right? We have different, like, psychotherapy. We have all these different ways, these systematic ways that we can learn about ourselves. I think they're all important. 
I I indulge in all of them personally. Like I think they're great. Uh, I think what's cool about astrology is like the more that you learn about it. I know from my own personal experience, I remember looking at my chart and being like, that's not me. I don't know about that. Hmm. I'm outgoing here. I'm shy here. I'm like this. I'm like that. Mm, I don't know. I like, oh, I, once I once I do one thing, I want to do it consistently or I'm very particular with that. I don't know about that. Or No, no, no. That sounds like me. But that part don't sound like me. A lot of times, now that I reflect back, a lot of the things that I was resistant to, especially when I first got into astrology, they were accurate, but I just didn't see it yet. You know, and I'm not saying that it's a foolproof method because then we could flip it and be like, all right, well, you know, sidereal is the real astrology. Like the 13th sign with Ophetius is the real astrology. The Vedic is the real astrology. Listen, whatever resonates with you. At different times, different things have resonated with me. Whatever resonates with you. If you're just starting into it, you don't have to get too hectic with all of it. The one that everybody knows is tropical. That's what you're going to see most of. And, uh... And just be playful with it. You know, it doesn't have to be like, oh, okay, I'm looking at this chart at the doctor and I'm analyzing everything and it has to be super right or else I'm going to freaking die. Like, it doesn't have to be that extreme. You just be like, oh, you don't like it? Be like, oh, that's a nice opinion. I'll consider it. Maybe it has some truth in it. Maybe it doesn't. You know, and I'm not saying that everything does because, like, I definitely there's certain things that I'm like, mm, it still doesn't resonate. But maybe in 10 years it will. Who am I to say? You know, so astrology and planetary placements like that are outside of just like the scope of, all right, this is my sign, are super fun. You know, we get to learn like, so our moon, our sun, our sun is like, you know, the like I said, the three-dimensional part of ourself, right? Like our identity, right? Then we have our moon, which is our, the way we are processing emotions and the way we think about things or towards things and our like views on things and then well views on things would be more so of our ascendant so our ascendant is like how we view the world how the world views us right then we have our venus our venus is the planet of love like our venus is the planet of attraction so venus is how we how we love but also how we want to be loved right so yeah, like that's kind of like what we attract or what we're pulling. And then our Mars is what we give and like how we go towards action. So Mars is like very action oriented, could be like the angry part of ourselves, could be like the super like, all right, get you done energy. Like Mars is very like get you done energy. If you're familiar with the tarot, Mars is very like uh, the emperor, you know, very like like, let's go. Like, let's get this. Um, This is what I need. This is what I want. Uh, Yeah, and our Mercury is how we communicate. I'm not going to get into the outer planets. We're just going to stop there at the five. But, yeah, or the six. And it's um, the way our Mercury is how we communicate. They say that if you have the same Mercury sign as your sun sign, that you say exactly what you mean. Like, you say it exactly what you mean. And it's not that other people with other placements don't have that ability. It's just, like, innate with people. Like, if you're a Virgo and you have a Virgo Mercury, you're going to say exactly how you, what, you, what you're thinking, like, how you feel about it in that way with what you say, no matter how it comes out. You know, then there's, like, 
other signs. Like I could use Gemini Mercury, for example, out of personal experience that I kind of, I feel like <laughs> my brain sometimes can't catch up to my mouth, but then I also feel like my mouth is is way further than than my brain like at times i'm like still talking and i've already like lost the thought of what what the core was so like i could say i do mean what i say when i'm in the most grounded place right and i do mean what i say and then other times it could kind of get mixy because i'm trying i'm an audio processor so a lot of times it's good for me to just kind of like take a voice recording or just say certain things or just kind of talk to myself or like somebody who maybe communicates like me, like shout out to Lori. And like that we're kind of bouncing things off of each other and we're both very communicative people. But not everybody is super communicative, right? Other people like to process things through, you know, painting a picture or reading a book or sitting in silence. A lot of times I like to process things with verbally speaking them, you know, and I find that when I have conversations with people that do the same, we kind of like ping pong bounce until we get to like exactly where it's like, like this explosion of like, this is everything that we were trying to say in one word. And that's so cool. Like that's so much fun, you know? So Mercury placements are pretty cool too. You get to kind of, if you're a fan of communication, you know, um, it's definitely the one that you want to center. But it's cool because we get to learn about ourselves. Then we also get to learn about our partners. We get to learn about, you know, people that we do business or work with. We get to find out about our friends. And, you know, ultimately, like, what what we like, what we don't like, what we're okay with, what we're not okay with. It's, like, why we like certain people we like and um, where that comes from within us. Because that's also, like, the inside, the out. It's just, it's all all within i truly believe like even in astrology like when we have a lot more of say like one sign i believe like there's a lesson that should be there like that's coming up you know for us to learn like if you have a bunch of you know water placements like you're really supposed to feel things in certain ways in this lifetime you know if you have a bunch of fire placements you're supposed to do a lot of things you know in uh or ignite a lot of things you know air placements to have critical thinking and like think about a lot of things and like bring that into fruition and like earth science like grounding a lot of things and bringing a lot of things down back down to earth you know so it's all equally valuable all equally valuable i think that i'm just like you know i can't even say like i have a favorite sign because i like love every sign for a different reason and i don't like every sign for different reasons <laughs> so it's a uh, I'm not biased in that way. I used to be, but I've I've definitely like I've definitely sat with those parts. And the funniest thing about it is like the signs in which I was most resistant to or had like difficulties with were either people and uh, like persons, places, things that I needed to like kind of accept within myself. And then I end up going to my chart or hitting up one of my friends that are much more versed in astrology than I am, and they're like, "Oh well." that makes sense because that's literally opposite this or this is you have a bunch of that in your chart or maybe you're kind of resistant to that part of yourself and i'm like hmm okay interesting you know food for thought so yeah well i hope i answered your question and uh if anybody else has any other questions feel free to like put them in the chat uh at this point I'm going to open up this book that I also haven't seen in a long time. If y'all 
been with me watching these for a minute, you'll know that I used to bring this one on. This is a really cool one. It's called Mind Platter. I had gotten it in, um, I think it's the biggest library in the United States or something, if I'm not mistaken. It's in Portland, Oregon. But, okay. So, what is the message that we are meant to hear after having this beautiful session today? That path. The breaks you create on the inside can break you down more than those on the outside. Any stranger on the street will help you get back up when you fall and hurt yourself, but rarely will you find someone who will see the agony in your eyes and the, and work to replace it with a smile. You claim to be one to see the sadness in others' eyes, while it is you that creates the sadness in their eyes, to give yourself the excuse to make them happy, because you want to make them happy, because you tie your happiness to theirs, and those who actually care about you you ignore gracefully telling yourself that they don't need you because you don't need them because you couldn't tie your happiness to theirs. Yo, <laughs> this one, I don't think I've ever read this one. I like what I do with this book is I, I, I just open it up and I think I read the whole thing through the first time I got it, but that was like maybe three or four years ago, but shit, that just shined the light on like such a big topic. Hmm. I'm going to read that one more time. I'm going to read that one more time. That path. The breaks you create on the inside can break you down more than those on the outside. Any stranger on the street will help you get back up when you fall and hurt yourself. But rarely will you find someone who will see the agony in your eyes and work to replace it with a smile. You claim to be the one to see the sadness in others' eyes, while it is you that creates the sadness in their eyes to give yourself the excuse to make them happy. Because you want to make them happy, because you tie your happiness to theirs. And those who actually care about you, you ignore gracefully, telling yourself that you don't that they don't need you. Because you don't need them. Because you couldn't tie your happiness to theirs. Well, a part of me wants to unpack that. Uh, I think that that will hit whoever that's supposed to hit and it'll bounce off of whoever it's supposed to bounce off of. But that was a really interesting, I like, that was a really interesting poem because I feel like it gives, like, perspective on, you know, sometimes we, sometimes there's folks and sometimes we might be those folks and sometimes we might know those folks, right, where they're always doing things for other people, but they're not doing it for themselves. And they're constantly exhausted or, like, feeling drained and things of that sort. And not realizing, you know, where the source of the happiness is. It's like, because when it's gone, like, after you help the person, you get those endorphins. Like, or you get the happiness or that worthiness. And then it's gone. And when you're left alone, there's nothing else, right? Because you're not creating it or generating it from yourself. So I want to end off on the note of... Asking yourself a question. Now I'm going to ask you guys a question. Where do you source your happiness from? 
Where is it that you source your happiness from? Where do you feel the most happy and why? Without judging yourself, just understanding, you know? Because even say you don't source your happiness from yourself right now doesn't mean that you can in the future and it's nothing to feel ashamed of. I definitely didn't source my happiness from myself for a very, very long time until I understood that that's what I was doing. And then I was like, oh, wow. And then I kind of unpacked a lot of codependency, right, and what that means. And then I still have to check myself. I'm a recovering codependent person. You know, I still got to check myself and tune in and make sure that I'm not doing that stuff. So, Or why I'm doing that stuff and how I can kind of navigate it in a better way. So, yeah. So Now, I brought Third Eye Bo with me today. Uh, she was kind of asking to be up here. So thank you all for tuning in for asking the questions. I just want to remind you guys that asking these questions doesn't mean that you don't know the answers. Yeah, I'm just kind of reminding you of what you already know, right? You know, you're asking a question because a part of you already knows the answer and it's looking for an affirmation. And I'm hoping that, you know, these answers helped either spark that or maybe it sparked the inversion. You know, sometimes you ask somebody like, should I wear this or this? And then like, but, and you feel, you think you don't know what you want to wear. And then they tell you, you should wear that. And you're like, nah, I want to wear this kind of same thing. So I appreciate you guys, you know, bouncing you know, for your questions. I hope the reflections of yourself came back and, uh, yeah, I want to play this bowl today. For all of us to tune into our intuition in a good way and just allow these vibrations to kind of clear our minds and really listen to ourselves, really strengthen that tie with ourself and our communication with our intuition. So if it feels good for you to get comfortable, maybe close your eyes, place your hands wherever they feel comfortable. Allow yourself to receive the vibrations. May these vibrations break up anything that hinders us from believing in our gut feelings and ourselves. Any doubts. And replace that with confidence and discernment in a good way. an affirmation that came up <laughs> for me that you know maybe it resonates with you guys too is i know that i don't know that i know
<laughs> that might be confusing for some, but that might hit for others. So, yeah, thank you guys for interacting with me. I look forward to interacting with y'all every Wednesday. Thank you for being on this journey for me. It might be a little shorter next time. You know, um, might be a little longer. I don't know. We're going to kind of ride this journey with each other and um, see how it looks and feels every time. So feel free to ask any more questions, you know, send them to me directly or go to the link in the bio and you can put them in anonymously as well. And yeah, enjoy the rest of your day and I'll see you next Wednesday.